right here and right now, whether you are aware or not, your heart is singing a song of praise to something or someone. Whether you are aware or not, your heart right now and right here is singing a song of, pra uh, of praise to someone or something. You know, your heart never stops singing this song of praise. Your, your heart sings when it's sad, when it's um, discouraged, when it's disappointed, when it's feeling happy. It is always singing this song of praise. Regardless of whether you consider yourself or identify yourself a religious person, your heart always sings. And the question, the begging question is, who is your heart singing that song of praise to? In the 19th century, sociologists began to tell us that the world was becoming more and more secular, less and less religious. Some of them, like the philosopher Karl Marx, even went as far as to predict that religion would eventually disappear, that religion would eventually disappear. Was he right? Are his predictions actually happening? Today, with the arise of the so-called the spiritual but not religious people, or the nuns, or the not religious affiliated people, you may think that this is actually happening. Uh, you may be inclined to think that this is happening, especially here in America. But this perception is mistaken. And despite the influence of Karl Marx, um, despite his influence in the world, religion has persisted globally. And the reason for that is that man is by nature a religious creature. Man is by nature a religious creature. And to try to, uh, in trying to um, say, in trying and saying that we are not religious is basically going against our humanness. That's why that is never going to happen. And that is also why your heart is always singing a song of praise. The text that we are going to be considering today, I think, speaks about this fundamental truth uh, for all of us, whether, as I said, you're a Christian or not, you consider yourself religious or not. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to invite uh, Kimberly uh, Fry to please come forward and read the passage for us today.
Our scripture passage today is Exodus 32, verses 7 to 14, and this is the ESV. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation for you. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Isaac, or remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing to his people. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kim. Good morning, everyone. My name is Roman Gonzalez, and if this is your first time here at Ironworks, uh, I serve as the assistant pastor. And today I would like to share with you three things that I consider that are in the text. Uh, there are m- many more things that are in the text, but I'm just going to limit myself to talk about three things. And the first thing that I would like to share with you is that worship is the deepest longing in your heart. That's, the first, that's going to be the first point that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, worship is the deepest longing in your heart. And this is whether or not you are aware of. Second, I want to show you that there is something wrong with our worship or in our worship. And third, I want to tell you about how to fix our worship. Okay? So, worship is the uh, deepest longing in our heart. Number two, there is something wrong in our worship. And number three, um, I would like to also talk about how to fix our worship. And since I'm going to be talking about worship, let me give you a brief definition about what does it mean uh, to worship or, or what is worship. Um, worship is the intentional expression of devotion, uh, devotion, praise, and adoration, admiration, and love directed toward the triune God. In other words, is valuing and treasuring God above all things. That's worshiping or worship. So with that in my mind, let us consider our first point, worship is the deepest longing in your heart. Where do we see this in, in our text? Look 
at verse 1. We started uh, reading verse 7 uh, because it's a long passage. Um, uh, but in the first uh, verse um, of chapter 32, look at verse 1. It says that the people of, of Israel are at uh, the foot of Mount Sinai. They have been waiting for Moses who went up to meet with the Lord. But Moses delayed coming down, and the people in desperation uh, gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us God who shall go before us. Make us God who shall go before us. What is this, what is this phrase? Uh, revealing. Well, it's very revealing, actually. It reveals their desire for having a God. It reveals, in the first place, that their desire for having a God. And I would go further and say that it reveals their longing for the transcendental. Their longing for a God who guide them and protect them, but also a God that they can worship. Because at the, de- at the end of the day, gods are to be worshipped. Now this, I argue, is a representation of every human heart. Every man longs for a God that, they, that he can worship. In every human heart, there is a profound desire for worship that was placed there by God himself when he created us. This is true regardless of the religious landscape in the Western, uh, West, uh, Western society. And there are two reasons for, for me to say that. And the first one is that if you are a person who self identify as spiritual but not religious, you will have to admit that you believe. Okay? Because now there is this a distinction between calling yourself a religious person and calling yourself a spiritual person. But what I'm, uh, what I'm, what I'm saying is that uh, Religious person and spiritual uh, persons, so or people who uh, identify themselves as such, they also believe. So if you consider yourself a spiritual person, you will have to admit that you believe. You still exercise the act of believing in something. And believing is actually, is fundamentally an, uh, a religious Act. So, in your heart, if you consider yourself a spiritual but no religious person, there is also a long, a longing for worship. And uh, and the other reason is this is a more kind of theological reason, and this is more like if you are a Christian, if you identify yourself as a religious person, and especially a Christian, then you would agree. With me, and the, the, the reason is that, um, that as human beings, we were created for worship, as 
uh, Ryan was saying at the beginning. Uh, this means that um, religiosity um, can take different, different forms and shape, but it fundamentally remains uh, the same. In other words, the echo of the words make us gods who shall go before us sounds in every generation and reveals the profound longing for worship, a profound longing for God. So that's my, my first point. My second point is that there is something wrong with our worship. So what, what is it that is wrong with our worship? Well, what is wrong uh, with our worship is not the longing itself. But, the, uh, but what is wrong with, with our worship is the, what I call, redirectioning of that longing towards something else that is not God. In other words, putting our deepest affection on something or someone that is not God is to value and treasure something more than God. And this is in the Bible called idolatry. And this is what Israel is doing here. Uh, and this is what is uh, wrong also uh, in our worship, that we replace or when we replace God with something else, then that is wrong. Look at verse 4, what people said. Uh, uh, in, in verse 4, people says, uh, said, uh, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, in saying this, Israel basically is identifying the golden calf with God himself. The people of Israel is identifying the golden calf with Yahweh. They are basically saying that the golden calf is the one who sent the plagues to Egypt, the one who divided the Red Sea, the one who gave the manna in the wilderness. Israel is identifying God himself with the golden calf. They are not trying to uh, worship in the gods of other nations. They are trying to worship Yahweh. But what they don't understand is by is that by worshiping God the, the way he did not command, he did not demand from them, they are worshiping something else, um, but no God. With the, as I said, with the rise of the, non uh, the, of the spiritual but non-religious uh, non um, people, um, you may think that, as I said at the beginning, that uh, what Karl Marx uh, predicted uh, is taking place. And there is something that we need to recognize. Um, we need to um, understand that this new phenomenon that is taking place, especially here in America, the, that people is identifying themselves as spiritual but not religious. If, if you are a re religious person, that is sinful, right? But, but if you are spiritual, that is, 
that is good, that is um, well perceived. People respect you if you consider yourself uh, being spiritual. And uh, there, are, there are multiple factors uh, as for why this is the case, why uh, now people are trying to identify themselves as uh, spiritual but not religious. Um, globalization is one of them, immigration, the internet, disappointment with uh, the inst institutionalized uh, religious uh, religion, and others. Um, but the fact that this phenomenon is taking place, that does not mean that they, those persons who identify themselves as spiritual but not religious, that they are not looking for someone or something to worship. In fact, the so-called new spiritualists, um, excuse me, the, the so-called new spiritualities that compete with Christianity in the Western world rise as an alternative to that inner longing for the transcendent, the new ways to connect with a divine being. Now, are those so-called new spiritualities able to satisfy and give a sense of fulfillment to the heart's deepest desire? I don't think so. And I think that part of what, I, what I'm saying um, is based on what we uh, started uh, to see, um, especially in the 19th and 20th uh, century, with the, with, with the rise of this movement of atheism. Now, I'm not saying that they began in, in uh, atheists as a movement, uh, atheism as a movement began in the 19th and 20th century. There has always, uh, they have always been with us. But they started to, uh, be, uh, to be more noticeable in our society. Um, and, and a lot of people, they thought uh, that atheism was going to be the answer because they would critique religion and they would say, as you uh, already know, that religion was a way to oppress the poor, to oppress uh, people. Uh, and they uh, uh, would argue that. But one of the things that I, uh, that I question and, and that I think about is, is, the, is that atheism as a movement has shown also to be a failure. Because if, if what people uh, predicted that would happen or, or expected that would happen with these new movements, call themselves atheists, uh, uh, would happen, then today there would be more atheist people but you know, that is actually not happening in our world. And, and, and this phenomenon of uh, uh, people who are identifying themselves as religious, but not, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, as spiritual, but not religious, um, uh, that tells us that they don't consider atheism uh, a movement or a source where they can actually find answers to their questions uh, in life, uh, and the reason being is because um, 
those who are identifying themselves as spiritual but not religious, most of them are actually not, uh, they, they are not atheists. They, they still believe in something, and they are not happy with the, uh, but ha and we need to be humble and recognize that, but they are not happy with the church because the church has done, has failed them in, 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 in so many areas. Um, or, or, or the way they perceive the church's conduct uh, itself um, is, is not the way that they would like to. Uh, but I don't think then that these new uh, spiritualities are uh, the answer. They won't be able to satisfy that inner longing, longing for worship that each and one of us um, have in our hearts. So now, my third point, the text also shows us how to fix our worship. How is it that we can fix our worship? We need, and this is the answer, we need someone who help us in redirecting that longing to God. We need someone to plead on our behalf so that we can worship. Look at verse 11, uh, the beginning, after God saw that the people of Israel was worshiping the golden calf. Verse 11 says, and, and basically, um, God, uh, after God said that he would destroy um, the people of Israel, Verse 11 says, But Moses implored the Lord his God. But Moses implored the Lord his God. After, as I said, Israel broke the covenant with God by worshiping the golden calf, God is ready to destroy the people of Israel. That, would be, that would, had been the end of the people of Israel, if it were not because Moses prayed for them, what a great advocate. So in verse uh, 14, we read, And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So Moses' prayer, uh, Moses prayer for Israel gave them the opportunity to fulfill, gave Israel the opportunity to fulfill the purpose of their liberation from Egypt. You know what is that? That is to worship God. You know, when, when, when God appeared to Moses and, 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 and commissioned Moses to go to uh, Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go, the reason and the goal that was always repeated was so that they can worship me. That was what God said to, Mo, uh, to Moses when he commissioned him. And when Moses was in front of Pharaoh, uh, Moses said to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. Let him go so that he can worship me in the desert. So by uh, Moses, uh, uh, through Moses' prayer, Israel have the opportunity to fulfill their purpose of deliberation from Egypt, uh, to worship, to worship God. 
Now the image of Moses praying for the people of Israel points us to Jesus in John chapter 17. There in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed to the Father for his disciples and for all believers. Jesus, the one who is greater and better than Moses, uh, he prayed for us to the Father. All of us deserve God's wrath upon us, but Christ appeases God's anger so that we are not consumed um, and can actually worship God. By dying on the cross, Jesus delivered us so that we would be able to live up the purpose we were created for. We were created for worship. And that's why our hearts are always singing. Um, as St. Augustine says, and this one of his most uh, well-known um, quotes, he says, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. And if I can paraphrase uh, this quote, let me put it this way. You have made us to worship you, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their true object of worship in you. You know, um, when I was, well, maybe few of you know that I studied music. I was, um, at the beginning, I wanted to be a pianist and very well known in the world and famous and sign cards and, you know, have pictures and all that. And um, when, I was, when I was studying music, I, I, I would actually practice piano six hours every day. And I became friend with one of my um, um, singers, uh, um, voice lessons um, teacher. And, and, and she had some issues with her voice. And she wasn't able to continue performing. Uh, and I remember one day talking to her when I visited her, and she was so frustrated because there, 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 there was something in, in her um, um, voice that um, would not allow her to continue singing the way she was doing it. And as you can imagine, that, would, that, that caused her um, a lot of stress, disappointment. Um, she was angry. And I remember one of the things that she said, um, something along these lines, I was born to be a singer, and now I can't sing. And you know, that uh, makes me, uh, made me think, as I was thinking about how to um, illustrate the sermon, that feeling of, um, powerless, that sense of powerless, that sense of um, uh, no, I'm, I don't have control of the situation and I'm not fulfilling the purpose that I was made for. Remind me of 
this principle that I've been trying to share with you, that every one of us, in our hearts, there is a song, and every one of, of us, we want to sing that song to the God who created us. But sin don't allow us to do that. Sin brings um, frustration because it is only in Christ that we can actually worship the Lord. Christ is the one who actually help us to be worshipers of God. He is the true worshiper. Would you like to become a worshiper of God? I know that you want to. A worshiper in spirit and truth. And if you want that, you need to seek help in Jesus. He is the one who restores us. He is the one who restores our inner longing for worship. And he does it by uniting us to himself, who, as I said, is the true worshiper. Listen to how the book of uh, Psalms puts it. Psalms 22:22. I will announce your name to my brothers. That's, that's just, if, you, if, if we just pause there, the fact that he calls us his brothers, and obviously he is including also our sisters, those who believe in him. He says, I will announce your name to my brothers. I will worship you in the midst of the congregation. Jesus is the better singer. He sings better than you and I. And he worships the Lord, his Father, in a perfect way. And he invites us today to come and sing together with him, worshiping the triune God. And as we celebrate today the Advent, and as we wait for his coming, for his second coming, let us remember that he was born so that we could be made worshipers of God and spirit and truth. Please stand.